All right, y'all, we are back for another episode with a very special guest, Shervin, the creator and founder of Symbiotica. Symbiotica is an amazing supplement company, but more important than that, Shervin is an amazing guest and somebody that I have been following for probably the last six months. I heard him uh, along with many of my guests on Living 4D with Paul Check, and turns out we have a lot in common, uh, a lot of good stuff on this. We talk Steiner, we talk all sorts of good things related to our own health and personal sovereignty. And we dive into a lot so much so, but it's just, in my opinion, the tip of the iceberg with really uh, the wealth of knowledge that Shervin has. So Shervin is going to be uh, back on the show here again, and we'll be picking his brain, going deeper into plant medicines and all sorts of other things regarding our own health and really uh, what's on the line right now as we look into our current uh, structures of society and the modern world. And uh, he's a dude who just, um, he has a lot figured out. He's been doing this for a very long time. Um, one of the things I mentioned on the podcast is, is the fact that his uh, older cousin, uh, one of his many mentors is a guy named David Avocado Wolf. And I just think of that as, uh, you know, to imagine having a, a true psychonaut and somebody who understands biodynamic farming and the health of the soil, the importance of our food supply, and many, many, many different ways that we are thwarted from natural practices. And uh, I just had a best go about life. Imagine if that was your older cousin who just grabbed you by the hand and said, hey, dude, we're going to the Amazon. We're going to uh, we're gonna break you wide open and put you back together and let you know what's really going on. And um, just fascinated by him. Um, Persian culture, everything that we dive into here. So many good things. I know you guys are gonna enjoy this one. Please help out by checking out our sponsors. And one of today's sponsors is a product called Purpose by Sovereignty. And it is hands down the best nootropic that I've ever used. It is also um, something that stimulates energy. And it is incredibly unique, not just in the formulation, because they use CBG, a cannabinoid that helps with cognitive function, but also in the fact that they have time-release caffeine in there. So you get a little spark, like a cup of coffee, and then a slow release of one more cup of coffee. And the interesting thing in testing this, because we did test it, we brought over um, an HRV machine that was able to map brainwave states at the same time, was we found as my metabolic rate increased, my HRV increased as well. Now that may seem like total nonsense, but anybody who has studied this stuff or wears an aura ring or a whoop watch knows once I engage in a workout or if I'm heavily stimulated from caffeine, modafinil, fill in the blank, Adderall, whatever, my HRV is going to typically drop. And that's fine if it's in a workout or in a state of fight or flight, but it's not okay if I want to drop into meditation. It's not okay if I want to be in flow. And so to access those points, I need higher levels of HRV, which is usually attainable when I don't have something that gives me energy. But the beautiful thing and what this test showed was that I not only increased my energy, but my HRV increased after taking this supplement, which in my opinion, there is nothing else on the planet like it. And these guys understand that. They understand what they've created. Uh, Jason Crawford, one of the creators, co-creators of this product, understands it so well, he's doing a money-back guarantee where he is stating, not only will I give you 100% of your money back, but I will give you your favorite supplement as well. They're going to buy you your favorite supplement and give you 100% of your money back if you don't like their product. It's called Purpose. It's by Sovereignty. And we will link to that in the show notes, but it is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot C-O slash Kyle. 
and make sure you use that URL. Don't just go there if you forget it. It's the only way I get credit for it. So they need to know that uh, this show is the reason that um, they're getting increased sales. But check it out. It is my favorite CGN product on the planet, favorite nootropic, and it's over at Sovereignty.co slash Kyle. We are also brought to you by Sports Betting Dime. It's your source for the latest odds, betting trends, matchup analysis, and advice. And as many of you know, football season just started. Again, this goes off topic from some of the uh, some of the topics that I have on the show, but at the same time, I love sports and have missed them just as much as anybody else. And uh, if you want to bet or look at odds and things like that, betting trends, matchup analysis, and get advice, this is the best place to go. Sportsbettingdime.com provides the coverage fans need to bet with confidence every time. Follow along for breaking news and explore tools that make it easy to find the biggest money makers and best odds. Whether you're new to the game or a seasoned betting expert, sportsbettingdime.com can help you make the right picks at the right price. Their futures trackers cover every major league and more, so you always know who has the best shot of taking home the title. This week, the NFL action is finally back up, so go to sportsbettingdime.com and check it out. Also, we're brought to you today by Buy Optimizers. Buy Optimizers, um, again, another product I heard from Living 4D. They sent me out a care package a while back, and they have all sorts of different enzymes, but they also have this really unique and novel magnesium product which is probably the most comprehensive magnesium product I've ever taken. It's called Magnesium Breakthrough, and it's an all-natural supplement that helps reduce fatigue, sleep more peacefully, manage stress, and strengthen muscle weaknesses. It even improves your heart and brain function. That's a big one. So while most magnesium supplements aren't full-spectrum, Magnesium Breakthrough is the only magnesium supplement on the market that contains the optimal ratio of all seven essential types of magnesium, including magnesium chelate, for muscle strength, recovery, and health, magnesium malate to help with headaches, chronic pain, and depression, and magnesium L3 and 8. This is a big one. This is something that I've taken as a standalone in the past to improve brain function, including short and long-term memory. All of this and more included in this product. It's very good. And again, they have some of the best digestive enzymes on the planet that I've ever taken to help aid in digestion. And as we talk about on the show here with Shervin, there's a lot that's messed up with our food supply and there's a lot that's messed up with what are the choices of the things that we t- tend to put in our body, you know, on a, on a, and myself included, you know, I'm on road trips, just choking down trail mix. Like it's no big deal. And I'm watching my CGM just fly through the roof with, I'm like, holy shit, man, there's a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar in these things. So this is a way of helping us gain control over that gut brain connection. And this one right here, the comprehensive magnesium breakthrough. One of my favorite products. Check it out at buyoptimizers.com slash kingsboo. That is www.bioptimizers.com slash kingsboo and use promo code kingsboo10 for 10% off your next order. That's buyoptimizers.com slash kingsboo using promo code kingsboo10 at checkout and you're going to get 10% off your entire order all over at buyoptimizers.com. Last but not least, we are brought to you by One Farm. One Farm makes the best organic CBD on the planet. They are USDA certified organic out of a single origin farm in Colorado, and they have amazing products. His and hers, if you want to call it that, but I just say they're just amazing products across the board. Their tinctures are what turned me on to them in the first place. They are strong enough for you to feel a difference. And there's a lot of CBD products on the planet right now that are nonsense. You don't feel any better. You don't feel inflammation dropping, pain going away. You don't sleep better. 
And one of the first things I noticed the moment I took it was, damn, this is something you can feel. And it is a powerful tincture. And they have a wide variety of doses available to people, a wide variety of flavors. Again, all natural, 100% CO2 extracted and USDA certified organic. In addition to that, face creams, night serums, all sorts of good stuff that will surely make everyone in the household happy. So good stuff there over at onefarm.com slash Kyle, and you'll get 15% off. That's O-N-E-F-A-R-M.com slash K-Y-L-E, and you get 15% off your entire order. All right, today's guest, Shervin, is just a dude. He's a guy who, I mean, he's not just a dude. He is a guy who is on the path and has been on the path for many years. And it was a real pleasure to meet the man behind Symbiotica. It was a real pleasure to get to know him. And as I mentioned in the intro earlier, he, he's going to be somebody I have on regularly. If you guys want a discount on Symbiota pro- Symbiotica products, just look for it in the show notes. You're going to get a link. And in addition to that link, you will get to use the coupon code KYLE in all caps 15 at checkout. You get 15% off any of their stuff. But one of the first things that I tried with them was while Tosh was pregnant, uh, we got the Heart Health Bundle, which is D3, K2, and CoQ10. It's a phenomenal product and the Omega and also the the B12 product. All three of these products are combined and they do big, big discounts when you guys bundle them up. In addition to that, you can tack on the extra 15% off. So order a bundle, check their stuff out. And without further ado, my man, Shervin, welcome to the show. Shervin, did I say that right? You said it perfectly. My brother, can you say your last name for us? I, I heard Paul recite this over and over again, so I don't, <laughs> I don't want to butcher it. Paul's got the, the lingo down. I worked with him on it. And because of his interest in Rumi, he was able mm-hmm. to work the tongue a little bit. So my name is Shervin Jafadia. Jafadia. There it is. That's all right. Is. Got it. I, so. I'm not going to attempt it again. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I first heard you on Living Forty with Paul Check, and it's funny because I, I I trail. Really, there's like three podcasts that I pay attention to that I that I try to nab the guests from. One is Rogan, obviously, and two, uh, Living Forty with Paul Check, and three, my brother Aubrey Marcus. So. Wherever, wherever, uh, you know, those are my tracking devices outside of my own tracking of folks and, um, absolutely loved the podcast you guys did. Uh, you know, just, just fantastic. And we're certainly going to get into Rumi and a lot of the masters that you've learned from. We'll probably get into Rumi right now. I mean, I always start this podcast with background. I'd like to know what it was like for people growing up. Um, you're a first generation American, correct? That's correct. So yeah. Let's just, let's just jump in there. Let's talk about your, your culture, where you come from, and uh, maybe some of those differences growing up here stateside. Yeah, that was a very um, interesting perspective that I had, and, and thank you for wanting to get into the heritage aspect of it. Um, I realized by the time I was you know, four or five, from what I can remember, that my parents are not from America, um, that they had immigrated from Iran in the mid to late 1970s. I was born in the 80s, and... Um, it was interesting because I was watching myself evolve as an American. You know, English was primarily my first language. Farsi came second, um, just because I was in activities and around other families, and my my family was you know really blending into the culture of Southern California. I grew up in La Jolla, down in San Diego, just on the beach, and um, didn't really think much of my culture until about five, six years old when I started seeing more of it around me. And started understanding that, wait a second, you know, 
my bloodline, my people, we're coming from somewhere com- on, on the other side of the world. And, um, there was a lot of things different in my household than all of my, you know, all my friends and everybody around us. And, uh, and my parents had a really interesting accent. <laughs> I was <laughs> always like, you know, teasing with them, helping them with their English and stuff. And they loved it. And it was all part of, uh, just growing up. But, you know, what really stuck out for me was just the, the, the family, um, culture, the unit of, you know, being together, loving on each other. I had a very, very much affectionate father. And my mother was, um, so involved with my cognitive experience and my consciousness and my day to day. And they were always passing on all these like different type of clues. Um, the Farsi language is, is very, very descriptive. It's poetry in essence. And one word has a whole, um, alleyway of meanings and, and depth that goes way broader than what we're experiencing through the English language. The vernacular and the, the way the English language works, it's, it's chopped up in bits and pieces, and it's the sum of all the parts that give you kind of the message. Whereas in Farsi, one word is just enough to take you down a whole experience. And so when you roll in those different words together, you get a complete you know, medicine ceremony almost. And so like, for example, Chodafis, which is goodbye, literally translates over to, you know, make God watch over you till I see you next and make sure he holds you tight in his like omnipresence. That's just how we say goodbye to each other. Now we take that for granted, but it just shows you the depth of the language. And that language was so critical in developing the culture of the Iranian culture, which comes from the Persian empire. And so I, I had that unique opportunity to see life through both lenses being first generation, um, Persian American and seeing, you know, the American culture and the beauties of the American culture. Cause there's so much there that, um, you know, a lot of people take for granted saying, you know, America does not really have culture, especially in places like Southern California and stuff like that. But I, I saw that culture. I saw the, um, the, the ambition and the passion and some of those things. And I took some of those things while mixing it with the Persian culture, which is about um, family, which is about education, which is about responsibility and all those things. And um, I don't know if you have any Persian friends, but a lot of them are, you know, everyone's just very savvy in their approach and they really want to get between the lines and they're not there to just get the broad strokes. And so I had that, um, I was, I was fortunate to be able to experience both at such an early age and intertwine them in the alchemy of my self-development and be cognitive of it too. Like I, I was present during that whole experience. I, I didn't just, I wasn't just in the motions, which was very, very unique that when I go and look back at my experience and also meeting friends, parents that wanted to learn more about the Persian culture. And I would do my best trying to teach them. Um, but it was, uh, it was a very uh, eye-opening experience. It took me into politics, understanding why my family was in America in the first place and why they didn't go back to Iran. As you know, there was the revolution that happened in Iran and um, you know, started going down those different pathways that you, know, you don't really learn from mainstream media and started learning like really what was controlling the narrative of you know, these wars and 
um, the provocation for war and why so many countries have been uh, stripped of their dignity in the modern world. And so um, I got, became very passionate about that. And that drove me to becoming uh, what we call today a truther. You know, and so it was a combination mm. of my heritage, you know, my bleeding heart for my country, and then also, uh, you know, some of the mentorships that happened at such an early age. That's beautiful. Yeah, I want to. I, I love the the concept there on culture because I grew. I did. I did have Persian friends. I grew up on the West Coast in the Bay Area, just north of you guys, and um, you know, it's pretty. Obviously, I think mostly through the West Coast, it's fairly diverse, but. Um, Culture is an interesting thing. I remember the first time I went to the East Coast and there's all these older buildings there and they're old by American standards, but they're not old. You know, they're, they're like, it's like, wow, you know, this is so old and everything's new on the West Coast, you know, and I think yeah. that's maybe there's less uh, tradition and certainly, you know, the United States is it's not a melting bowl, but it's or, or a melting pot, but like a salad bowl, right? Like every, right. you know, we're, it's all, it's all, you know, tossed together, but it's still its own individual parts very much. So, um, whereas, you know, you go anywhere in Europe and, and East and it's, it's very much has tradition. It very much has, um, purpose and, and a feel to the culture that you're in and a feel to the land that you're on. And certainly, you know, like my first time in Europe, I was like, Oh, this is, these are old buildings, you know, like even walking through uh, uh, Southern Netherlands on cobblestone and, and seeing yeah. like, the architecture. I'm like, these are, <laughs> some of these are over a thousand years old. Like, this is just like a whole, whole different thing. You know, like back a thousand years ago, you would have found teepees and broad, broad, you know, all, all of it was nature. You know, there was very much, uh, it was very undenatured here in the Americas. You know, we've and been maybe, stripped of it all. We've, yeah. we've been stripped of it all, at least here in North America and all, also some other areas where, where the indigenous isn't ruling, right? So it is a melting pot. And then within that melting pot, you have different classifications of economic status, socioeconomic class, and cultural divide, especially in California. I mean, you look at California, like some of the areas, it's just, it's just you know, um, Armenians. It's just uh, Chinese, it's just Taiwanese, it's just Vietnamese. It's all like kind of spread out like that. And because it's all a culture clash and stuff like that, you don't have rooted culture. You go some places like in the South that's been around for a couple hundred years and you can start maybe feeling some of that culture starting to grow and they've created like that entity. And you're, you're right. You know, we go to Europe um, or places like South America or places like Asia, you know, places like that haven't, that, the bloodline is in the region that they're from there. It's indigenous to that. You walk into it and it's magnetic. You can feel the pulse of it. It's very strong, you know? And so, um, I feel that on a grand scale whenever I'm traveling and that's the, the main thing I want to do when I travel is I want to, I want to soak that in as you did. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and it's palpable. I think uh, Henry Rollins talked about that, how important travel is to change perspective, you know, and it's not just yeah. get out of your bubble or your comfort zone or your small town. I mean, uh, anywhere you live can become a small town. You know, I know plenty yeah. of people in LA that just stay on the West side, like that's their spot. And it's <laughs> right. too, it's too, it takes too long to get anywhere else. So, you know, Oh, you're in Hollywood. Sorry, man, I can't meet you today. You know, like that kind yeah. of thing. And, um, that becomes their little bubble, you know, and it doesn't mm -hmm. mean I'm not, all my friends travel. So I'm not saying that about them, but we do make whatever space we have, you know, kind of a tight knit container and that's cool for a sense of community, but it doesn't necessarily broaden us. And so 
I think, you know, one thing that stuck out to me as you were talking to Paul was the fact that your parents would listen to music that were the, the, the poems of Rumi turned into song form. <laughs> yeah. Just like, imagine yeah. that. Like if anybody's experienced, you know, Rumi's love and wisdom and understanding of God, like in the way that it's worded, you're just, and of course, some things are lost in translation, not necessarily in your case, in my case, for sure. Um, think of the Bible, like there's no doubt things are lost in translation, but sure. um, still there's so much of his medicine that gets through. And so to have that as a child, just kind of trickled in as background noise. Um what a blessing. Like, I just think of that as like such a vast difference from, you know, I mean, I had Elton John, I had some really good artists that I listened to, but not quite the same, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I, you, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I, I grew up um, with an eclectic household of music and expression and art. I played piano for 20 years. Um, and so I was um, kind of thrown into the mix of the frequencies of music and the energies of it, which was really profound. And I tell that to all my friends that are having children, get your kids involved with music, have them choose what they like, let them flow with that sound and frequency because that harmonic is so much beyond the audiophile of the ear. You know, it's really tuning in the creative center and the actual algorithms of how our genomic sequence are unfolding and which genes are expressing and which genes are turning on, which ones are turning off. These things are so important for, you know, just on a, forget about the cosmic, just the epigenetic factor of understanding how the human body works and that evolution process of developing as a child into, um, you know, intermediary and then ultimately as an adult. And so, yes, I, I had that. And I think, or not, I think, I don't, I don't like that. I know what it's done for me and how it evolved me at an early age to be able to see beyond the common five senses. And it set me up to perfection on my later, you know, forms of education when I went into like Steiner's work and into biodynamics and to stuff like that, because they're all coming from the same place, which is a creative state. You know, we can get into that. We, we, you know, most of the biohackers now call it the flow state, right? So for me, it's it's getting into a place of grounded meditation that's actually allowing you to form thought as opposed to just being in a dream state and a tangible, accessible information that we can then use and integrate with our dharma, with our life's mission, with what we're here to do. And that's really what Rumi was about. I mean, Rumi, ultimately, if you take the thousands and thousands and thousands of poetry, the, the, the Sufi aspect of his poetry and integrate it into our modern mechanistic world. It's, it's ultimately, how do you separate your, the, the bad voice in your head, which is telling you you can't based on programs that you've picked up over the years, programs that you've picked up from other energies and allow yourself to just you know, freely deep dive into the infinite, into the limitless ability and it's interesting because to harp on, to get onto Steiner, Steiner's philosophy of freedom was not about how do we become free from a tyranny government, from a black shadow state, from all of this stuff that you're seeing all over social media and you know the, the, the big monster corporatocracies, but how do we get free inside of us? How do we actually get free? What, what does freedom actually look like in our own consciousness? And that's really where the the combination of Rumi and my own Persian DNA and my father and the people around me that opened me up 
And it allowed me to be sovereign at such an early age, almost to the point where I was uncoachable. And I, <laughs> I, my dad would, he saved all of the um, letters that all my teachers and coaches would write the authority or the president of the leagues. You know, I was big in athletics growing up and uh, I'm pretty sure the same as you. And, and I, I just couldn't be coached by a coach that was structured and didn't see the players. And I couldn't be taught by a teacher that was structured and didn't see the students. And this is before getting mentored by my cousin, David. This is before that. I'm talking age seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I, was, I, I couldn't take it. When, and I did pair up with amazing coaches and amazing teachers that flowed with the children, that allowed them to express, allowed them to be in their um, full expression and experience. But it just goes to show that, that that ingrained into my cosmic flow. And it's part of my human design as well. You know, this is almost a genetic thing as well. I mean, I was, I incarnated as the investigator, anarchist, and martyr. And, and it makes total sense. And to be able to have a, a and you as a father and, and having children, um, I would always say, you know, create a beautiful incubation for your kids. But but do not create an indoctrination or forced curriculum. And that's another Waldorf application. And that's how I approach everything that I do in my life today. There is no set structure. And that's another, that's a Carl Jung thing too. You know, it's, there's no structure. It's only, um, you know, a flow state that can take, take us to where we want to go. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've, I don't know if you saw me looking down here. I'm, I'm taking several notes here of things I want to talk about and then no particular order, but sure. thank you. <laughs> I get off my tangents, I get off no, my tangents sometimes because that's what it really is. It's like... It, that's the most beautiful yeah. way to do it though. You know, so I'm not, I'm not going to interrupt any of those, but I am going to circle back to, <laughs> to quite a few things here. Um, you know, it's funny because I think I mirrored you in many ways. You know, I was uncoachable. In fact, uh, my father always told me, and I just had this conversation with him because I have to think about this with Bear, you know, who's five years old now and, and and also not coachable, you know. And and so I'm thinking about this, like how how difficult it was for people to get through to me. And it wasn't until I was 18, I was playing junior college football and I got benched halfway through the season. And I, I, I without question, was the best defensive lineman on the team, possibly the best player on the defense. And, uh, you know, any, any of my old teammates can argue with me about that if they want. But, you know, the coach said, it's not that you're not good enough. It's that you're not coachable. And if you're not coachable, you're going to sit and learn how to be coachable. And so he set me on the bench for the second half of the season. He said, maybe next year you'll get a change of attitude and you'll get to play. So, of course, being uncoachable, I left the team after that season and sure. um, went to a different team. But um, that really struck a chord with me. It was one of the deep lessons that, you know, we all have to learn through any means and experience is the best teacher. But um, I think I'm bringing this up because what I was rebelling against was the things that seemed off. It was what I saw wrong in the world. I think as you were rebelling, it was because you knew what the good was. You had this internal knowing because of your upbringing of what it should look like. So if somebody's looking at you as here you go. One, one size fits all. I don't see you. I see you as one of the masses that didn't resonate with you. Right. And I, I can count on one hand, how many teachers from grade school through college really took me under their wing and saw me as an individual. And right. I aced every single thing that had, that, and I took every course they had to offer. Right. Because of that, because I felt seen. 
all the other classes, all the other teachers, all the other coaches, um, I really had a, a tough time with, you know, I mean, I yeah. had, I had, you know, people talk about players, coaches versus, you know, kind of the, the hard ass military style. Uh, I never did well if it wasn't a player's coach, if it wasn't somebody that would say like, Hey, this is what you're doing good, but here's how we can do it better, you know, and, and kind of offer that positive reinforcement. But I just wanted to point that out because there's so much right now. And, and again, as things get polarized, education is a big one. And I, I am fully cognizant of the fact that most people can't afford private school. I, I went to public school. Um, I would sell one of my cars to make sure I can keep bear in Waldorf or a Waldorf style school because I believe in it and I understand it. And I know uh, I can see the impact he's having and knowing he is, you know, cut from the same cloth that I am, he's not going to do well in public school. And I don't want him up against that. Um, so, and even homeschooling, you know, if it came down to it, we would have to do that. But, and there's nothing wrong with that. My wife was homeschooled till uh, high school, but yeah, I just want to point that out. And I would definitely want to dive more into Steiner, certainly more in Rumi. You brought respect, up sound. By the way, respect. Yeah. yeah. I, that, that, I much appreciation and respect for uh, the experience and the awareness and that you are going to that length to make sure um, that your children are given that opportunity to become free sovereign beings as opposed to being forced on a curriculum. And most of those teachers that you're talking about that did not make your one hand, um, you know, they're just part of the program and they've been beaten up. They've, they, you know, they've been put in the system. They're tired. They're, they're not, ex- they're not expressing what they want to express. So how are they going to be able to treat a child that they see, you know, once a year that, you know, keeps going by different cycles of kids. The whole system is not bred, you know, it's, it's, it's not that, that teacher's fault, right? It's the system. The system needs to be dismantled and we have to have a new philosophy on how we're raising children on all levels from how we're, how a mother's carrying in the womb to, you know, even looking at how babies are created with the porn industry, understanding how we're birthing children, how we're raising the whole thing. I mean, I've gone so deep in that. Uh, that was part of my training and studying for a long time was understanding the cosmic development of child from the thought of a man and woman linking up together to the cosmic alchemy, alchemy of creating a child to the raising it, it, in the womb, that whole thing. It, there's so much to it. There's so many rabbit holes to go down. And if you look at how we're doing it today on a, on a populist level, on the overall, it's completely the opposite. Yeah, 90, 90, 95 plus percent of this is, uh, you know, procedure, thoughtless. People really just through our own loss of connection to source, we don't understand that that child understands exactly what's going on. It feels all the emotions mom feels. It can hear your voice. It knows who you are before it comes out. I mean, we just did. I I definitely want to talk about human design here. So don't let me forget it. Uh, We just did Bears Human Design and we have wolves coming up later today. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, there's a there's an excellent teacher. I want to give a shout out to John Cole, and I'll link his um, email in the show notes if anybody wants to get this done for themselves or their children. But uh, you know, you talked about sound and this tuning fork, and I can't help but think about it right now too, because of the fact that you know, as that that fetus develops, it is sensing through waveform, particle form, and through vibration, right? And so, like before it even has ears to hear, we're playing singing bowls. Tibetan singing bowls over the belly. We're, we're, we're toning, we're chanting, we're oming, we're giving that sound vibration of healing energy to let it develop and construct even on a physical level down to the genetics itself in its purest form. And 
people might think that shit's hocus pocus, but it's not. It really isn't. It's just a forgotten understanding of the importance that that the second you are, and this isn't to say like, look, you know, if if uh, if someone is in need or is raped or any of these things like abortion, like I'm going to leave that argument off the table. But what I'm saying is, if you say yes to raising a child, understand the second that that baby starts growing, you have an impact on it through the food that you eat, through the stressors that you feel, through the amount of sleep that you get, through the sunlight, through all of it, all of it matters, right? And um, thinking about that sound, like sound is such an interesting, interesting piece. And I've been reading this book that Paul recommended to me called um, Stalking the Wild Pendulum by Ishtak mm. Bentoff. It's on the nature yeah. of consciousness. Great book. And he talks about this frequency pattern that we have of sound, all things being wave or uh, particle form. And, you know, just as we can only see a certain spectrum of light, we know other light exists outside our view. So we could call all things sound on a spectrum, even though we can only hear within a certain frequency. And that kind of shifts completely the way I think of what this is. It also allows me to reimagine what the logos is, you know, like the first spoken word of, of word. God speaking this into existence, like is through sound itself, through the vibration brought the world of 10,000 things from the Tao, from the unspoken. Right. And um, it's just incredible to understand that, like what, what we have, you know, coming in, streamlining in is so important, you know, and, and it can go either direction and look no further. I mean, I know we're going to dive into this stuff here in a second, but the first time you go deep on plant medicines and someone is singing to you live, you're like, whoa, well, like, is this is the medicine? Like, they're, they're not they're not separate. It's not like, oh, hey, the Aya was amazing and this guy sang an Ikaros and I was like, that's really cool too. It's like, no, these things, these things are deeply intertwined. They're not separate. They make the experience what it is. They direct the experience, but like, it's 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 all one. It's not a, it's even the tobacco, the mapacho, like it's all one. You can't just say like, ah, no, we did this thing and try to compartmentalize it like we do in the West and modern science to make sense of it all. It is all one. So um, I think, you know, the reason I bring that up is those experiences for me were the first time where I really understood music and sound differently. And of course, one of the ways you would approach that through dieta is to say, I'm going to remove anything negative. I'm not going to watch the news. I'm not going to watch scary movies. I'm not going to listen to rap music, even if I enjoy that or heavy metal, even if I enjoy that, I'm simply going to bring in, you know, very easy, peaceful, um, instrumental sounds or, you know, songs of prayer, things like that as, as my entry point leading into ceremony. And I know that's going off on a tangent, but that's all just to say like the importance of what we're hearing, you know, is it noise or is it music? Is it harmonizing us and, and bringing us into resonance or is it throwing us off in some way? I think that's that's a critical piece most people aren't thinking about these days. So I, I really thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I you hit it right on the nail on all of it. I mean, that's one aspect of the whole thing, right? Sound, right? We take it for granted. Um, vision, what we're seeing, right? Like how powerful, if you really think of what sight is. We're, we're, sight is a frequency. It's a light frequency, right? If the room's pitch dark, you can't see anything, right? So if you turn the light on, all of a sudden you can see. Why is that? What does that even mean to the molecular level? It's a frequency. Light's bouncing off an image, hits your retina, goes to the back of your brain, your brain creates chemicals, shoots it up to the front part of the brain. All of a sudden you have an image. We take that for granted. That happens in what, 0. 0.026 seconds in real time? And it's a cycle, and we're cycling like this. So anything you're seeing is actually inside of you, right? You with me on that? Just think about yeah. that, yeah. right? So qu quantum entanglement, 
I mean, you don't have to be on an acid trip to get this. You can actually like start meditating on how profound sight is. And the same thing with sound, even more so to a certain aspect because it reverberates into every cell and into the marrow of the essence of the physical body. And it goes beyond the physical body out into the toroidal force of the energy centers, the anja of the body. It's fascinating. Sound healing, I've had my most highest levels of blast offs ever. And it's, it's like, Sound is a critical component, and I and it's it's in my human design chart. When you have a professional human design reader look at your chart, they can see things that affect you. Sound for me was number one, so it's interesting you brought that up. And I remember as a kid, I could never eat food if there was like a some kind of obnoxious noise going off. I'm hypersensitive to disturbing hertzes, to disturbing uh, noises that are off-putting, that are unharmonic, that are out of balance, that are out of resonance. Like if I hear someone hammering, this is why I have you know 30 acres in the middle of nowhere, that's where I've been living for the last three years, is I couldn't take traffic noise, I couldn't take any of those things, I'm hypersensitive to it. And it's not that I have a crippling immune system or that I'm just a, a sissy, it's just my... Uh, my ability to go into higher levels of attainment were completely stunted if I'm around that kind of noise and stuff like that. And then on the opposite end of that spectrum, if I can promote harmonic um, sounds, harmonic frequencies, and start adjusting to the attunement of it, then I can go deeper and deeper into what I'm here to do and what my intention is every day, which is exactly what I talk about all the time with you know everyone that's in my sphere of influence is discernment, intention, um, having intention on every aspect and doing nothing out of um, a state of doing nothing when you're in an unconscious state, which is Mm. 99% of the world right now. 99% of the world right now, I I can say that is doing things unconsciously. They're eating unconsciously. They're thinking unconsciously. They're they're making love unconsciously. They're learning things unconsciously. They're working unconsciously. They have relationships that are unconscious, all of those things. They're because they're not present. They're not in their body. And, th- and again, these are things that you, you can start looking at and seeing how can I make an adjustment here? How can I, why, how, let me learn why sound frequencies are so important. I'm putting out fires with my sound bowls. Have you seen those videos? <laughs> yeah, that, that's like a technique now. You know, firemen are using sound frequencies to turn out to, um, to extinguish fires. Wow. Just think about that. Like, like, uh, you know, there's a cymatic energy and frequency to sound, and it's one of the most powerful forms of healing and awarenesses. And you can take that technology and apply it to every other sense and every other aspect of this reality. And that's what I love doing. I love using things as a big, um, you know, sample size and then shooting it out all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I had, I had, I'm going I had, berserk. Sorry. I love it. I love it. Um, well, let's, I mean, let's jump in. You had, you had an amazing uh, cousin and mentor. David Wolf is a David Avocado Wolf, somebody I've been following for a very long time. What a um, maniac that guy is. Yeah. I love him, dude. I love him because yeah. he's, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a dude that's been out there. He, he's certainly taken a deep dive into many different things. And, um, you know, in particular, somebody I've followed through, through the trajectory of plant medicines, somebody I've learned from, and, and you had them firsthand, oh, cool. you know, as an older person to really draw from yeah. and have kind of, kind of lead and, you know, 
carved the path for you. Talk about your experience with him as a cousin and getting into plant medicine. Wow. I, di- I didn't know you, uh, you were aware of him on that level. That's fantastic. I mean, it, it's not ever a, a day goes by. Someone comes up to me and goes, Oh my God, you know, I, I love hearing your story about you and David. I follow you guys and what you guys are doing. And, um, it's such an honor to be on a path with you guys. You know, me and him, um, we just, we're best friends, you know, I'm his best friend. He's my best friend. He's like, uh, you know, he was like my older brother growing up. Now, sometimes I feel like his older brother <laughs> and, uh, and, um, you know, it, it's just, a, it's a trip. I'm sure you have, um, someone close to you that you grew up with, but you know, he's a, a very unique character and it was around the, you know, 10 years old for me or 10 years young when he started going deep into where he is today and starting understanding raw food and getting into nutrition and saying, wait a second, there's something wrong with the system. So the stuff that I inherently already felt as a child, he brought the education to it and started teaching me, you know, abstract ideas and abstract concepts outside of the, you know, the standard structure of modern day society, especially Western society. And um, he introduced me to David Icke, you know, when I was, yeah, yeah. I read The Truth Shall Set You Free when I was 12. Wow. uh, yeah, I was no, getting into pretty, all of that. Talking about getting yeah. getting your mind just cracked wide open to some uh, pretty pretty out there thinking that that may or may not be coming to fruition. You know, I mean, I, I know a lot of people. I think seven. It's got to be around eight million people listen to him in his first interview on London Real. I think he's been on three times since. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, as far as, uh, you know, him getting into, you know, lizard beings and things like reptilians that, I mean, and all serpentine that stuff. beings, that's yeah. Reptilians and all. Yeah. Like, like you can, you can table that discussion and just say, <laughs> well, is it starting to mirror China? Are we starting to mirror, you know, uh, uh, is technocracy something to pay attention to? You know, you watch, For uh, sure it is. this is definitely, definitely taking a, a side turn here, but I watched the, um, the documentary, the creepy line on Amazon which is all okay. about Google, you know, and, and uh, Paul oh, had yeah, Merc- yeah, Joe, Dr. Joe Mercola on. And mm-hmm. it was something I, I first started becoming aware of when Rob Wolf was saying like, hey, I'm getting shadow banned on Google. Nobody's finding my website. Traffic is way down. Um, he was really getting pissed off about social media as well. And uh, obviously, you know, thankfully, nobody's messing with iTunes and, uh, and podcasts up to date. I know some people have had their podcasts taken down from Spotify, interestingly enough, if they put COVID in the title. Um, but all that to say, like, you know, you watch the creepy line and you're like, yeah. And, and, you know, it's just, it's just like, it's a, it just leads in, I guess what I'm trying to say without having to explain the whole documentary, it leads in a lot to what David's talking about. It's not so far fetched anymore when, when we kind of see where this is headed or, or at least to the degree, you know, like maybe if it's not our government, it's certainly this, um, this monitoring and storage of our information has been going on and it's been going on to a degree where it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's beyond, you know, the little thing we click yes to when we download the app, it's beyond saying yes to a Gmail account. It is well beyond that. And Google, in fact, they talk about Google getting in trouble for stealing information from anyone who did not have a secure Wi-Fi router as their uh, automated cars were driving through the Silicon Valley. So they're driving by houses doing the Google earth and they're, they're grabbing information from everyone's Wi-Fi router that aren't locked. And that got exposed. I mean, they talk about it. They actually got in trouble for it. It's it's uh it's crazy to think the amount of um, surveillance that's going on already, right? We're we're in interesting times, and I think you uh, again you you said it right. 
you can look at something like what Ike was teaching or what he continues to teach. I, I didn't follow into the whole reptile stuff. I mean, I, I love going down an esoteric um, labyrinth, of course. And I, I know there's, way, there's a lot more things beyond the veil than this material world that we're seeing, 100%. I've known that since day one. I've known that. It, I've seen it in medicine. I've seen it without medicine. Um, but I took what he was teaching back then, um, specifically a tactic called problem-reaction-solution. Um, where you create a problem and there's a reaction in the public and you provide the solution to that problem that you created. And that's a strategy that's been going on since the Knights of Templar. I mean, that's like, you know, thousands and thousands of years old where you can control the narrative and you can control the divide and conquer scheme. And that's what I really, really um, absorbed from David Icke around 12 years young. And that's what me and David talked about a lot because I was seeing it in my reality. I was seeing it in the Gulf War. You know, I was seeing it in um, 9-11. I was yeah. seeing it in all of these things. You know, they're all being played out. You know, it's the same thing. It's an economic collapse. It's a, it's a, a you know, biological attack, right? It's what we're dealing with today. It's, you know, it's, it's fear, pain, mongering. It's a financial collapse. All of these things, you provide the solution to the pain and frustration and problem you've created, then you provide everyone no um, option at that point. And then you get more surveillance. Um, you get you know Patriot Act. You get companies like Google running around like a chicken with their head cut off, just terrorizing everybody's privacy. And then you know you're, we're basically in a in a place where all of these things are happening, and they're happening because the human psyche and the human body is falling apart. We're at the highest level of disease and malnourishment and clinical dehydration as a populace. We're at the point now where people are so demineralized and so stripped of their own sovereignty because the chemistry in their body is not functioning. It's so easy to pull this society. It's so easy to make them fear something like COVID-19. It's so easy to, to scare them into a position where they'll take on any solution. And they've already given their power away to mass media. They've given their power away to allopathic Western medicine. They've given their power away to um, you know, a faith-based system that is not really, maybe not helping them, um, where they're not actually applying the faith and living by that truth. And it's just some kind of figment in their imagination I, I, you know, I can see it all. Everything has led up to this. Me and David, our conversations today are like, wow, everything we were talking about is literally unraveling at the seam right now. And I was at, at, the, at the, to the point I was 18, when I was 18, I became militant, bro. I mean, I was ready for some type of civil war and I was already angry and frustrated because of, you know, that my heritage and my country and what's happened in Iran if you look back at you know how the how Iran was um, manipulated by the European Union for oil and all these different things and put at war with Iraq, the whole thing was manufactured. So I was already angry about that. I was already angry about our society. I was ready for war. Going into my twenties, I was just like, you know, this is full on. And it took a lot of reasoning and love from my father that got me out of that energy and more into um, a focused state and taking care of my family and taking care of my well being to the evolution of where I am today, where 
I don't really talk about these things too much. I'm so focused on providing solutions. And, you know, there's so many people out there that this is what they do. You know, London Real, for example, David Icke, for example, all of these, you know, groups that are doing such a fantastic job, you know, whether you agree with some of the, everything they're talking about or not, you can take pieces from it. And my whole thing is use discernment. Okay. So don't listen to me. Don't listen to that guy and just listen to us and, and take everything that we're saying firsthand as the truth. Listen, feel into it. If it resonates with you, do some more digging, do some empirical history digging, find the research, take your time. And the same thing when it comes to health, health is the main part of the whole thing is that the re- why is everybody jumping from this diet to that diet? Okay, I'm keto one day. Okay, I'm paleo one day. Okay, I'm a vegan one day. Okay, I'm vegetarian one day. I'm this, I'm that. I'm breath, uh, breathitarian, fruit of war, whatever it is. It's like, <laughs> how are you going all over the place? Take your time to learn about it. Don't just take someone's information and run with it. Take it, digest it, involve yourself with it, experience it, use discernment. I promise you, it's going to work a lot better. And that goes with everything that we're talking about with our construct, with our relationships, with our friendships, with our relationships with our families, with our relationships with God, source, soil, everything. It's about applied science. And that's, again, the spiritual science. It's finding truth within the science that shows the spirit is accurate, right? Instead of just this blind, misguided approach. And that's, again, another Steiner philosophy, which is embedded into my DNA. And again, David um, led the way for, for me on that. You know, I, I respected the fact that he was spending 20 hours a day researching, that he'd go all over the world to learn about you know, different philosophies from Eastern to Western to Scandinavian to South American. I mean, it's for everywhere. He, he, you know, he's done over 3,500 live performances all across the world. I mean, he's been living out of a suitcase for 30 years. You know, to his detriment, you know, something that I don't believe in doing, you know, I'm all about ritual. I have ritual, my rising ritual, my sleeping ritual, you know, my fasting ritual, all all of these things, my connection to the earth. He's put himself into the, into the lion's den to, to learn and to experience. And I, I've, I've learned that from him and I've learned that, that tenacity. And so all of, all of the things that we're talking about, I think it all comes down to, you know, using your discernment. And being from a place of coming from a place of um, no fear, and and it's the fear and judgment that spark together and create a cataclysmic, you know, downfall in, in, inside the human psyche, and it limits us from actually becoming what we're supposed to be becoming. Whether some person believes that or not, I believe that we've carnated here for a reason. This is not just we're not just material. Um, beings that are here to just procreate, eat food, shit, go to sleep, and do this cycle over and over for 70, 80 years and then die malnourished, sick of some disease falling apart. And then all, no, no way. We are carnated souls in these bodies and we're here for a reason. And I, I, I strongly believe that knowing how the body works, knowing your heritage, your bloodline, getting into an intention every single moment of your life, doing things consciously, and also knowing where you are in this world. That's another thing. Rudolf Steiner said the illusionary astrology of the 21st century 
will be the the epitome of this luciferic aramonic battle that's happening that's taking us out of our primal um, ability to become sovereign beings and it's just it sticks with me and you look at all the ancient philosophies the sumerians the egyptians i mean all of the mayans cosmology was at the root of everything and that's another thing that i learned from david is that it's not just about um, the soil science and the permaculture, but it's also understanding the cosmology and understanding the cycles and the seasons and, and really having a relationship with as above, so below and learning what all of that stuff means. So again, you know, the, the, we are in the age of materialism at the highest level. We have not gotten to this level of materialisms because of the level of electronics, the level of TV, movies, all of these things that take us out of our present, you know, there's a lot of beauty to it, right? Documentaries and education and all that stuff. That's where we embed in there and we, we can weave with that um, new technology, which is a form of magic if you really look at it. But we're in materialistic, mechanistic flow at the highest level. We have government, we have uh, medical mafias, you know, we have forced things that are happening. We have food economics that have completely distorted the natural biosystems of our reality, of our environment, and our inner ecosystems, which are directly related to the microbiome of that soul, all of that's been destroyed. All of that's been dilapidated. Most of the aquifers in North America have been fracked to death. So now, I mean, think, I always ask people this, or I always tell them, think about the most common commodity in the world, which is water, clean water, spring water, right? That's, where, that's the jing of it, the electricity of it. That's become a luxury. To drink clean spring water has become a luxury today, meaning it's, you have to have abundance, right? You have to have abundance to drink clean water today. And so we're in that age right now, and I think that's a reason why you have this shift into hyper-spirituality, right? You can see it with the New Age. You can see it with you know, the Venice Beach crowd. You can see it with the Ibiza crowd now. You can see it with that big movement heading down to the jungles of Peru and the Amazon. Everyone's going into ayahuasca ceremonies. Everyone's doing combo ceremonies. I serve medicine. You know, I've served medicine to some of the biggest people in the world. Um, I think you know that. Uh, Mike Tyson's one of them. I've taken him down that entire road. Um, I, For me, it's it's finding balance between both worlds because I, de- I certainly don't believe in the materialist which is just brick, we're just flesh and bone and it's all about system and it's all about making money and it's all about this, 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 and that crap. And I, and I definitely don't believe in being hyper-spiritual to the point where you're not in your body and you're running from abundance and you're living in poverty conscious and all of the scarcity mentality. I think it's finding balance in the, in the middle and looking at these two opposing forces, the Aramonic influence and the Luciferic um, forces as just part of the construct. It's not evil, right? When we make things evil, when we make things scary, then all of a sudden it becomes polarized and it becomes a problem and we, we don't allow to, us to flow with it. And it's just like everything else in our reality. When we start polarizing things and start divide and conquer, Democrat, Republican, conservative, you know, liberal, all, all this stuff, it's like, no, 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 no. Ease and grace here. Let's get grounded. Let's take care of our families. Let's take ownership of our lives. Let's, let's grow our own food. You know what I mean? Let's get back to the basics, the primal basics. 
sorry, I went off on a tangent, but I'm very passionate about these things. And I can see that this is really the, the, where the suffering is coming from. You know, it's not this, we can't fight this government if we're dilapidated, if we're under control, if the biochemistry of the body's working, if the lymph system's working, if the liver's working. I've been going crazy on the liver. I don't know if you've been reading my posts. I've been yeah. diving so deep on, li- on the liver and its responsibility in the human body and the burden that the American culture is putting their livers under right now. It's unbelievable. Non-alcohol, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, just that alone. Forget about all the alcoholics and just the alcohol drinking. Just the, the, that alone is governing and controlling the human. The Chinese ancient Taoist immortals, they knew that liver is the center of it. It's your chi. It's your anger. It controls all your frustration. We need to get our bodies right. Then we can hold hands, come together, and not shift the, this reality. We can start a revolution. That's, that's really what I'm doing with Symbiotica. And I, I, I love, love that, brother. That, that's, I love you too, man. I mean, I'm all the fuck in. <laughs> Yeah, fuck yeah. Well, let's. I definitely want to dive into symbiotic <laughs> here, but there's a few things I wanted to comment on. Um, you know, at the very end, if people made their way through it, a lot of people turned it off because it was just so really in your face. You know, like David Icke does not pull strings or he doesn't pull punches, rather. At the very end, maybe the last 20 minutes of his first interview, he talked about the nature of consciousness. He talked about us being incarnated here. He talked about what a miracle is to live in this time in particular, you know, like that's something Rogan's talked about in the past. If you lived a thousand years ago, seven generations behind you and seven generations forward, it looked the exact same. It didn't look much different. People still had their unique experiences, but we were not on a technological rise. We were not, you know, we might've faced natural disasters, but we weren't facing total ecosystem collapse and the earth will survive us no matter what, no matter if we live for a very long time or, or if we, you know, put an end to this um, current, ecosystem that we have very quickly. I mean, that, that remains to be seen, but the earth will survive us. I agree what with he, you. What he gets to in the end of this uh, first interview is the fact that it's exactly what you're speaking to. If we operate in fear, if we operate in stress, we're not clear thinkers. Bruce Lee yeah. talked about that. You never want to fight angry. You never want to fight in a state of fear. You want to be loose. You want to be in the flow state. He was speaking about flow before it became a coined term. And really that, that empty mind or meditation in action is such an important entry point into this, you know, and, and uh, you know, one more piece before I circle back on that, the hyper spiritual, it always, it always cracked me up how many spiritual masters there were with failing bodies. It's like, you know, set aside, you know, money's the root of all evil and that kind of, that kind of talk, but just look at, you know, like you get so into the astral, so into the etheric plane that you no longer care for this vessel. Like this is your temple. You only get one, this go around, even yeah. though I'll get to trade in for a new one, There'll never be another Kyle Kingsbury, right? There'll never yeah. be there. I only get this embodiment once. And so um, that to me, I think is a, is a big point there, but these things are not separate, right? When we look in a holistic, a holistic view, we know that we are tuning forks and the better I take care of this system, the better I can tune in to higher levels of consciousness, higher levels of awareness, and actually get downloads in a meditation, in a float tank, in breath work, or with the medicines themselves. Point is it's, it's absolutely critical that we take care of this machine and this hardware so that our software can operate appropriately. And if we're operating out of fear and stress and anger and resentment and blame and this, this other separation consciousness, we're not going to be in alignment. We're not going to be able to see a path forward that's inclusive 
of everyone with their own unique qualities and traits and their own unique belief systems and have the ability to compassionately hold everyone else's differences within that. Right. Um, Talk a bit about these entry points. You know, I want to dive. We're definitely going to finish with why you created Symbiotica and the importance of building back our health. You know, and and one thing you brought up is water being like the number one commodity in the world. It costs more than a fucking gallon of gasoline. That's unacceptable. That's where we're at. Right. That's where we're at right now. And not just in the Middle East, all over. You you buy, you know, uh, you buy anything, you buy a a six, you know, buy a pint in a plastic bottle. You add that up to a gallon, multiply. That's more than a cost of a gallon of gasoline. That's an important factor here. Um, Talk about these entry points that you have. If all things are starting to come into alignment in terms of the physical, you're taking care of yourself. You have a good movement practice. The diet that you're eating is correct for you, which takes some navigating and learning, but you found that your sleeping is good. All these other systems are good. And maybe you, you've, you've started to dissolve away a lot of the noise of reality TV and programming, and you're taking in a uh, high quality, you know, uh, documentaries and listening to the right types of music that fill your soul and fill your cup. What are some of these entry points that you use, um, be it plant medicine or meditation practices that really allow you to get in that state where you can tap into intuition. You can have direction that's not coming from the thinking mind, but coming from within or, uh, you know, on high, you know, the high self. I love you too, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Paul check. Thank you for, um, being a bridge for this relationship. And, um, I see you, bro. Um, most people that are going to be listening to us, we can see each other right now on this uh, video. And so it's, uh, so we're seeing each other's expressions and it's just good to, it's good to meet you again, brother. You know what I mean? To see someone and cause I'm basically looking at myself, you know, and I think that right there is the power is ultimately, you know, we can take in all these documentaries, we can do all these kinds of things. We got to surround ourselves with ourselves. We got to be around people that see us and are real with us and can call us higher and can authenticate our own expression. And so, you know, that's really important. You know, I, I tell everyone, do a major detox on your circle, your sphere of influence. You're the sum of the five people that you're closest to, right? That, that, that's true. And um, as far as like an entry point, you're, you're right. If you're biochemically completely distorted, you're just the, the, the biochemistry shows you that we're going to be in a state of inflammation, cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And when you're under that type of, you know, I, I would say poison, because it becomes a poison at some point, you, you can't stay in your parasympathetic experience, which is rest, relaxation, and harmony to take on a decision and to make an assumption and to have clarity. You're constantly dipping into that, what they call sympathetic and going into the fight flight path. And that what I is what I believe is what's happening with the modern world. Everybody is sitting in a state of shock and they're in a state of fear and they're in a panic. And that's why they're reaching for things that are not good for them. That's why they're reaching for that, that basically every day they're having that black coffee and they're putting that sugar in it. And then they're eating this donut and then they're eating this sugar. 
And then they're addicted to this drink. And then they're having this glass of wine, which turns into three glasses of wine. And it's not biodynamic wine, it's commercial wine. And then they're having some type of sex addiction or porn addiction. All of these things are coping mechanisms that for a short while get you feeling good outside of that stress. But it's super short-lived. And every time you do it, it gets less and less and less. By the time you're 30, 35, 40 years young, 40 years old, you start deteriorating, your body starts losing its vital force, the browning effect starts happening, which is the electrical system starts to die out. We now know we're electrical beings before we're chemical beings. In order to heal, it's an electrical solution. It's not a chemical one. That's why I sunbathe. That's why I ground to the earth. That's why I get away from Wi-Fi technology. That's why everything in my house is grounded. That's why I don't, I, I don't bathe in these non-native electromagnetic frequencies. All of these different things. I can go on and on down the entire list. I, I'm extreme to the person who has no idea what I'm talking about. And it's just like what you said about going into Europe or going into like San Francisco and seeing a building that's 90 years old and thinking that's an old building. Everything's relative, right? You're only relative to your experience and what you, what you already know. And that's why it's like going outside of the box. So for me, it's, it's creating momentum. So, the, so your entry point is momentum. I saw mm. this show a couple of weeks ago. I don't watch regular TV. It was at a friend's house. There was this poor, this poor guy, dude. He was probably at 800 pounds. I've never seen anything like it. And they had to cut down his house to put him on a forklift to take him to a hospital. And then from there, they gave him, they did like bariatric surgery where they staple the stomach. So he stops eating and it stops producing certain hormones. It was a complete, utter nightmare. Have you seen that? Have you seen what I'm talking about where the person's yeah. like turned into an obese thing, yeah. right? I used to see like it was my 600 pound life and it's That's funny. It. I mean, yeah, I, it. I, uh, I, it wasn't something I watched, but I had a, one of my roommates and you know one of my best friends growing up. He loved it. He was obsessed with it. He's and, obsessed um, with that, right? Because it's shock, yeah. right? Oh, for sure. It's like, yeah. you know, you can't turn away from the train wreck, you know, that kind of thing. And this isn't, I mean, we have, I think- 66, like two thirds of the U S is now obese. This is like morbid. This is beyond what, what we consider obese. And this it is, is an something, epidemic. Yeah. It's where you, but, but when you look at that show in particular, you really wonder, like, it's not, I think what's interesting about that. The one episode I saw, you see, like, it isn't just the solo person, right? These people become, they become to a point where they can no longer take care of themselves. It's kind of like in the, yeah. in the, in the Disney film, Wally, you know, like the, everything's brought to them. They're on these, they're on these little uh, go-kart things, you know, they, they never have to walk. They never have to move. All their food is brought to them. And then that's what they turn over generations. But this is happening over the course of a lifetime. Usually what you see is someone contributing to that. Like a dad who's like, I never, I never want to see my precious little girl go hungry. So I bake her right. a tray of, of, you know, croissants. And then I have, you know, melted cheese and fun and whatever the case is, there's always somebody helping out with the issue. And they too have some mental issues going on there. But, um, for sure. Yeah, it's like it's like an odd science project to see like how they fix these people. Fix, right? Like, I, and I got air quotes up. It's, it's brutal. It's a, it's an abomination. And my point with it is that that didn't happen overnight. Something sparked that. It was momentum based, right? First of all, it was a consciousness. It was an energy, and it was a frequency that caused that whole thing to develop into. 900 pound material weight body that's falling apart and the heart's about to stop and the liver's failing and they can't even move. And it's just, and when it comes to momentum, momentum goes any direction. It's not biased, right? It can go anywhere, right? So it can go that direction and it can also go into the direction 
of living your your most invigorating, passionate life where you're in intention, where you have beautiful relationships, where you are a pillar in your community, where you are experiencing heaven every single day on earth, where you do have visions of paradise, where you're healthy, thriving, not in pain, not in frustration, and not reaching for things to fill a void. And those momentums, I mean, it could be anything. You could listen to this podcast one day. You can start journaling. You can start looking for clean water. You can start changing your diet habits. I always say, hey, before adding things, you got to start removing things. You can start, you know, all of these different things, just a small thing here and there every single day. It's not this big thing, you know. The the messages I receive every day, Sherevin, be my mentor. Uh, Sherevin, where do I have to go to learn what you have? Where... What school is it? Look, it's it's not like that. You have to build discipline from within, and it starts with one or two things here and there. And as you start flowing with it, momentum starts happening. And once you start going down this rabbit hole, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm ready to learn about the gut microbiome. I want to understand how does the the certain bacteria strains in the gut interact with foods that create serotonin and dopamine and you know, oxytocin and how does the neurotransmitters work, gut brain axis. Once you start learning that, then you're like, oh, maybe that Diet Coke isn't for me. Or maybe I shouldn't eat that GMO, you know, cornbread or whatever it is, whatever they're eating today. It's, it's, the, it's the taking the action and standing in it fully, which, was, which gives you the power. And again, that's another Steiner thing is like it's experimental knowledge. It's not something that someone's just going to teach you. You have to fully embody it and experience it. And so that I think that's the main thing that people need to do is just start making little changes. They don't have to be big wholesale changes. If you're ready for wholesale changes, go berserk. Fuck it. I don't care. Go all in. That's how I live. But if it's if it's difficult, if you have excuses, if it's you know you, you don't have a supporting loved one, or you're having you know marital issues, or you have this that. Start making small things. Maybe you're not supposed to eat that big five-course meal in the evening. Maybe <laughs> stop eating fruit after protein, fats, and um, other things. Like Maybe just start understanding food combinations. Maybe stop watching TV till you fall asleep. You know, Maybe you got to get up and start making a ritual of waking up on the rise with the sun, naked on the earth, if that's a possibility. So many different things that you can do. Start inverting. I can go on and on. We could create a whole list of just different things. People can choose two every week. Do that for what? A whole entire year? All of a sudden, you have 104 things, right? Do the math on that, right? Yes. Boom. (laughs) You're locked and loaded. You became a Jedi master. And then now I can lean on you, brother. You know what I'm saying? And that's really what it's all about. It's embodying those things. And that's what me and Paul talk about all the time. And you know know Paul, right? He's such Mm -hmm. a berserker. He's just like, and I'm like, Paul, what do you think about this? He's like, hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea, Sherbie. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's just it's just really getting into and taking your own power back. Stop being. It's like get, get this victimhood shit out of here. Even if you are a victim, you're not a victim. Like get like get over it. Wake yeah. the fake up. Snap there, out of it. You were you were a victim, right? If yeah. You, if, you, if you were a victim, you certainly were. You don't have nobody yeah. has to take that from you. You were a victim, but you're not now. You don't have to be right now, right? And as we circle back to the present moment in every now, then we have this opportunity. We have choice. We have free will in the now. We certainly don't in the past, right? But I think about that. um, 
you know, I had this guy, James Clear, on the podcast who wrote Atomic Habits and actually spoke about him on my last trip to uh, being on Paul Check's podcast, Living in 4D. And one thing he talks about is um, you're not going for 100% competency and mastery in everything you write down as a goal. You're aiming for 1% to 2% better in each. And yep. that has a global effect. As you get 1% to 2% better on diet, sleep, movement, uh, what you're consuming on a mental, emotional level through media and music and everything else, who you're hanging out with, uh, the books that you read, as that gets 1% to 2% better in all directions, you see this global effect that's far greater than the sum of its parts. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, and it, it just reminds good, right? me. It feels great. And that's the whole thing. I want, to re- I want to remind people, one of my favorite quotes from Wim Hof is feeling is believing. Yeah. You know, like, don't take my fucking word for it. When you feel yeah. neurochemistry shift, it's, it's palpable. It's real. It, it, it doesn't become a concept anymore. It's not taken on faith. It's direct experience, right? And of course, that's, that's one of the beautiful things about plant medicines is direct experience with higher levels of consciousness with source itself that you're not going to read about in a book. You know, Ted Decker always talks about this. I know I've mentioned it before, but I can't tell somebody about an avocado. And I'm bringing this up because I'm thinking of, uh, you know, your cousin's nickname. I can tell somebody about an avocado. I can describe it perfectly. I can draw it. I can make a 3D rendering of it. You know, we can 3D print it in the future. We can do all these things that show it to you. But until you eat an avocado, you don't know what an avocado is. It doesn't matter if I'm the most fluent educator on the planet you will not know it until you eat it for yourself. And I think that's, that's where, you know, whether it's, it's trying plant medicines or, you know, starting to make shifts in any number of the things that you've talked about. And there's been many, right? There's so many that we can, we can grab onto and just start to shift and move towards. It's the feeling that gets us to come back. And so you got to stick with it long enough to build that. Isn't that interesting though? And, And to piggyback off that, once you have the avocado, once you experience the avocado, I right now can taste it. I can experience it, right? Because that's, that's just, it's, it's chemicals, right? And so, and it's just rewiring pathways and expression and experience. If I think of a lemon right now, my mouth starts to water. Citrus, the thought of citrus, I have, a, I have massive lemon trees here, right? The thought of lemon trees, boom, all of a sudden I'm salivating. That's just one aspect. And that's, and that's what it is. It's like, once you experience, then you can recall it all the time and you have it in your back pocket. And that is power right there. But you have to truly be in the experience. You have to intentionally be there. And that's anything. If it's eating an avocado, eating a lemon, meditation, prayer, learning about the human ecosystem, understanding basic parts of anatomy, understanding the circadian rhythm and what disruptors can can mess that up those things experience them and all of a sudden they're embodied within you and that's like you know it's like that old ancient you know Taoist immortal that can be in heaven on earth even in a three by five foot jail cell think about that for 30 years stuck in a little tiny physical man-made prison but is experiencing nothing but heaven 24 hours a day for 30 years because they've embodied that. What are these monks doing in caves for a hundred years of their life? Are they crazy? Are they out of their mind? Of course not. They've carnated here for a reason to experience that as part of this reality. 
we got to start thinking outside the box. You know, we got to get we got to get a little uncomfortable, right? We got to understand what hormesis is. Are you familiar with that term? That which does not kill you makes you stronger. That's what hormesis is. That's that whole David Sinclair, you know, the Harvard guy that's talking about mm-hmm. NAD boosters and nicotinamide mononucleotide and understanding caloric restriction and all that stuff. These little things, jumping in the cold water, putting yourself to the edge, all those things, they cause your body to respond. That's how the immune system powers up. That's nature's vaccine, right? We have to test the waters. We got to get uncomfortable. I, you know, I've spent time with Wim Hof. He used to come to our longevity conference. You know, and speak at David's things and stuff like that. He was a berserker, total <laughs> maniac, best ever. And he'd tell me about some of the situations that how he got started and how he got a, how the uncomfortability is what took him there. And that's how we build ourselves. We got to get out of our comfort zone. Everyone's in their comfort zone, you know. But we got to oh, find yeah. balance. Like, like I want, I want to go stay at a five star resort in Bali. Dude, fuck yeah! But I also go live naked in the jungles of Urubamba for a month doing medicines and being completely out of my body for sure. I, I yeah, it's yeah. It's like, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be one way. <laughs> yeah. There's a yoga teacher that I absolutely love. Uh, Jen Pru who, who started yoga anytime.com. She, uh, she led my wife through her first 200 hours of yoga teacher training out in the Bay area. And she talks about that, that, that old, you know, Ram Dass was one of her mentors. And one of the things she talks about is we often push so far to the right and so far to the left. And we, we, we value these extremes only as a means to find our center. Mm, yeah. Right. And it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. important, but the further we get out there and away from ourselves, the further we get into our uncomfort, the further we get into the unknown. And that's absolutely critical. But I, I know we're, we're, uh, we're approaching the end here. I definitely, you know, I don't have a cutoff here, but I, I certainly want to talk about where we're at, we're at, we're at a critical point in the modern world. We're at a critical point with our food supply. We're at a critical point with soil health. We're at a critical point with a lot of things. And we're seeing the cracks in the wall. We're seeing how unstable society is as a whole because of the lack of foundation we've built it on. And rather than, you know, really etch that out and what it looks like for people and go down, you know, I, I often say, you know, the only problem I had with David Icke's interview on London Real, the first one was that the last 20 minutes were the magic. The first you know, hour and you know, nearly two hours, that was really hard to take in. If he had kind of inverted that and spent uh, you know, 80% of it talking about the nature of consciousness and what to do and 20% of it talking about where we are, I think that would have been a, a much more palatable podcast. That said, I still took a lot from it. And um, you know, where we're at with our food, where we're at, you know, people, even, even Paul Check brought this up, like the dependency. Why do we need a dependency on a supplement um, and I don't yeah. think people need to be dependent, but at the same time, we know through looking at soil quality, magnesium level, even if a plant is super high in magnesium or, um, you know, if an animal product like liver is super high in different micronutrients, it's not going to be as robust as it was a hundred years ago. And certainly not as robust as it was a thousand years ago, right? It's just not, it's just not where we're at today. And supplements are, yeah, they're complete, yeah. completely denatured. denatured. So. Yeah. I think of these things and I think like, where are these great starting points? And, and thankfully I've had a deep dive into a lot of the products that you've created, but talk about why you started Symbiotica, what it means to you, what you've created thus far and where you see it going in the future. Um, you hit it right on the nail. Um, looking at our modern era, 
um, has been very scary for me. And I, w- I grew up around health and nutrition from um, a Persian perspective and also from a raw food perspective. And then ultimately from a biodynamic perspective. So ultimately, I mean, before I'm an alchemist, scientist, whatever I am, I don't even know what I am. I'm just me, right? I'm a, bio, I'm a biodynamic farmer. And what, what does that mean? It means that I approach my entire life with intention. And that's how I cultivate my being just like I would cultivate a seed. And I would nourish that seed and, and comfort that seed and grow it and nourish it while it's going through multiple phases of its life to then bring back the energy of the soil and the water into our realities. That's the whole biodynamic concept is that we don't need to be doing all this crazy stuff. Everything can be self-contained and nourished if the mind and heart and gut connection is connected to the soil and the seed of the plant. And so we're in it, we're in modern times in terms of our food agriculture. The industrial revolution that happened in the early 1900s sparked a lot of radical change in this world. The advent of chemicals, the advent of industrial chemicals, the advent of agricultural chemicals, um, you know, all of these things changed the way food was grown. You know, I've said it in most of my live lectures, a hundred years ago, most of the population had a direct relationship with the food that they ate meaning that they either grew it or their neighbor grew it or their cousin grew it. Someone in their ethos grew the food that they ate. Now today in America, less than a quarter of an eighth of 1% of the American population has a direct relationship to their food. That in itself is so alarming to our current state of affairs of our health, of our awareness and even more importantly, our relationship to our mother. Okay, so this is a, this is a this could be a spiritual aspect, but just think about it. You're going to get demineralized food if there's no tender, loving care putting into that food. If the if there's no education and knowledge on how soil should be cycled and how soil should be mineralized and how you should be moving plots and how you should have the cow involved and all these different things. Yes, but ultimately, think about it. If 100 years ago, that amount of the population was related to the food that they ate, that means how many people's hearts and souls were going into that soil, were going into that food, or taking care of the mother. Now it's the opposite. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody has any idea of where food's being grown, how it's being grown. They have no clue. They don't know who the farmers are. They don't know where it's being shipped from. You go to Whole Foods, you go to wherever you're going, it's all different foods all over the place. You have no idea. It could look good, but most of the time, it's not worth a penny of what it's being sold to. And it's unbelievable. And it just shocks me that we've hit this level of demineralization in our food. And organic, just to jump on that real quick, means absolutely nothing. What it does mean is that you might not have herbicide, fungicides, larvicides, insecticides, glyphosate, glyphosate, whatever you want to call it, not in there, and other petrochemicals. But it doesn't mean that it's nourished with the minerals and the biotics necessary for a well-balanced fruit or vegetable. And so we're getting all of this food that has no nutritional value. And to jump back to you know the amount of obesity we're having, we're seeing in kids. When I see an obese child, I don't think of an overfed kid. I think of a starving child 
That kid is starving because that kid's not getting nutrients. He's getting empty calories. And that's why he's in that state. And that's why it's triggered thyroid issues. And that's why it's triggered cognitive issues. And that's why they're depressed and on all kinds of psychoactive drugs and all kinds of pharmaceutical craziness. Their entire endocrine system has completely been thrown out of whack. Then they're down a whole path of diabetes, heart disease, all kinds of lymphomas, and they're, and they're living obese. This is common now. This is, a, this is the most scariest thing that I'm seeing is the state of affairs that we're in. So, yes, we're not designed to be eating supplements. We're supposed to be living on our farm, growing our own food in healthy soil. We're supposed to understand how to turn over soil. We're supposed to know how to grow our food. We're supposed to cycle it with our cosmology. There's a whole practice to this. The ancients knew this. The biodynamic farmers knew this. The permaculturists know this. This is the, the fabric of who we are. But we're completely lost our way right now. And so that's where Symbiotica came. Symbiotica was me just thinking, okay, how am I going to get all of these nutrients back into people's guts and not only put them together, but make sure they're bioavailable? And so I started just searching all over the world. I was looking for what are the main deficiencies. So my background is orthomolecular nutrition. Orthomolecular basically is the foundation of understanding that it's the deficiencies of nutrition that are causing um, malnourishment and then eventually disease. It's taking us out of our health span and into the disease span at a much early age. And that's how the human body works. We're born, we are in a health span. At some point, we enter the disease span. We shouldn't be in a, in, entering the disease span until a lot later in life. But now it's starting in our 30s. If you look at the national um, uh, censuses and stuff like that, where diseases are coming, we're getting so many radical diseases right now, it's out of control. You combine malnourishment, right? You're not getting your food. You're not getting your good water with all the petrochemicals, environmental pollutants, toxins, all of the electromagnetic frequencies. I mean, I can go on and on. We can, that's a whole podcast. Then you're having like a complete, you know, cataclysmic event that's happening within the cells of our reality, what's happening in our bodies. And the amount of disconnection and dis-ease that's happening is at the highest level we've ever seen in this in this state, whatever epoch or whatever you want to call this time era, we've never been, we've never experienced anything like this, and it's only going to get worse unless we grab hold of our health. So that's what's inspired me for Symbiotica. I wanted to go all across the earth and source the highest bioavailable nutrients and putting put them together in harmony, where they all complement each other to perfection. And from there, enter them into a higher level of technological advanced state, which is liposomal and micelle technology. So the body recognizes them as food. All of my products, I don't, you know, I'm not selling powders and capsules and tablets or anything like that. And I'm not against certain capsules. I think herbal blends and certain things like that, it's no problem. You know, you can put them in a capsule. But when we're talking about nutrients that should be coming from our foods, like vitamin D3, like vitamin K2, like Weston, Weston A. Price. Like I, I could take you down that whole story. You, I'm sure you're familiar with Weston A. Price. You know, he was a famous dentist in the early 1900s. He traveled all around the world. He was looking for the reason why Americans' jaw structures and jaw formations in children were falling apart. Why were they having such massive tooth decay? Why were we falling apart from this disease and that disease? He located a molecule in, um, 
in Indonesia and Africa called Activator X. Activator X we now know is vitamin K2. Vitamin K2 comes from a fermentation process of certain plants. It also comes from grass-fed meats. That's the MK4 version, which stands for menaquinone 4. What this molecule does in the body is very interesting. It allows our body, I won't get into the actual details, I'll make it pretty simple, but it basically turns on enzymes in our body that allow us to take free-floating calcium out of the blood and into the bones where they belong. What's the leading cause of death in this world? It's some type of heart disease, arthrosclerotic. What does that mean? That means it's calcification of the arterial walls in the heart. Why are we getting over-calcified? Why are we getting non-native forms of calcium and man-made compounds? You can look, I, I don't know if you've seen my stories. I run around grocery stores. I don't go to Vons. I don't go to Safeway. Those are too easy. I go to the health food stores and I, find, and I look at their ingredients and I pick out stuff that don't belong there. All these almond milks and cashew milks, they all have calcium phosphate in it. And it's not, it's not a calcium that we can absorb. So something like K2 takes free-floating calcium out of the blood, out of the soft tissues, and into the bones where we all need it, especially women, leading cause, osteoporosis. I can go on and on. These are the things that I'm doing, and I'm, and I'm going to the highest bioavailable sources in the world, and I'm taking myself there with film crews and showing how we're doing it. I, there's no, like, I'm all open, authenticated. It's, it's completely wide open. Like The truth has to set you free. There could be no closed doors, proprietary nonsense, n- n- nothing like that. It's like, this is what it is. I sign contracts with the top, top manufacturers in the world. It's expensive as fuck. It's expensive. My margins are shit. You know, I'm going to be honest. My margins are shit. I had to fight my CEO just to have, you know, go this route because I said, look, dude, I have to do everything in intention. I can't sell out for anything. It has to be the best. Just our packaging, our bottles, our Myron glasses are more expensive than any products, formulas that you'll go and see in Whole Foods that are, living, that are in plastic containers with capsules. Those powders have been sitting in a manufacturing facility for two, three years. My products have to be shipped cold because they're alive. They've been encapsulated with phospholipids turned into liposomal. And I, I, I'm very enthusiastic about this because you know, if you don't know then you have no idea what goes into this. And it takes so much effort to make a formula and to make sure that it stays intact and that it's protected from the elements and that it's in an aqueous solution. Just the, the fact that it's liquid. I mean, these, these products that I make, they're good for six, nine months. Then they're spoiled because they're alive. They're food. The body recognizes it as food. When you put it in your mouth, it's just like food. Food, nutrition is embedded into the fiber and into the fats of food, right? So it's the same thing. Our our products are fat-based. They're all ketogenic. You take it. They don't create an insulin response. They go past the the saliva, the pH of the saliva. They make it into the stomach. The hydrochloric acid starts to activate it a little bit, but doesn't destroy it. It makes itself into the large intestines, and it passes the epithelial layer or the brush-border barrier and starts to break down, and all the nutrients there are intact at that point. And so the bioavailability is there. It's, you know, the whole, what's that old saying? You are what you eat. You are what you absorb, right? <laughs> <I love laughs> That's that. the key. And if you, yeah, and if you don't have the biotics in your gut, you don't have the intrinsic factor in your gut, you don't have these certain things working hand in hand, you're not absorbing anything. You're just taxing your kidneys and throwing your money down the drain. 
And it, that's really what symbiotica is. And, and, I'll, and I'll add it a, a level further. We're making the best formulas on earth, hands down, not even close. Our Regenesis product that just came out has crossed the barriers of anything that's ever been done before. You know, combining fermented glutathione and bounding it to lactoferrin, which is the, the active substance in colostrum, and then putting, you know, PQQ, pyroquinolone in there with CoQ10 and lipolizing it. It's just nothing like this has ever been done before. And I added 7 billion CFUs of lactobacillus rhamnosus, which is a human strain probiotic, all in one. That's just one thing that we're doing. And these are all great. All these products are fantastic. But it's just a front, brother. I'm really just dropping seeds of starting a whole new awareness to a whole new lifestyle. You know what I mean? This is a movement. Symbiotica is a is is um, it's an ethos within yourself of taking ownership of your life, and it's all about education. Everyone asks me, you, you, all walks of life, top celebrities in the world to random people I meet on the street that recognize me. They ask me where to start. I say I don't know. Just go learn. The information is out there. The education is out there. It's so important for people to understand why our Synergy B12 is so critical for your children and for you. And what B12 is, it's not just gives you energy. That's not how it works, right? It's not a stimulant. It cleanses your cells because, the, because it's methylcobalamin. It adds to the methylation process to your cells. And I added adenosylcobalamin in there, which is the, the powerhouse of the mitochondria, another form of B12. And I have L-methylfolate in there with fulvic minerals from dis- distilled shilajit. There's a method to the madness. And everyone, I implore you, because this is just the beginning, I'm going, I'm going super sorcerer status on this. We're, going, we're, getting, we're getting crazy here in terms of what we're about to get into. Um, take time. Everything that has been designed with Symbiotica has been designed with intention. Um, I looked at all the deficiencies across our country, across the world, mainstream, low stream, all of it. And I started targeting major, major problems. And that's what Symbiotica is doing right now is I'm plugging in the gaps. And then from there, God knows where we're going to go. I trusted in the Lord uh, is basically guiding me on my path of taking me into higher levels of consciousness through the alchemy of you know, this new form of food. And it's really, really exciting. And, you know, you see me, I don't know if you've seen videos of me in our facility in Iceland, you know, I'm extracting world-class astaxanthin from a algae strain called Hematococcus pluvialis, which is basically nature's protection carotenoid. It's the strongest antioxidant made in nature, 6,000 times stronger than vitamin C. That's in our omega formula that's mixed with microalgaes that are extracted in Nova Scotia. It's like, we're not messing around. It's the highest, highest end formulas in the world. Um, I don't know any, anything that comes close in terms of quality and in t- intention. And I'm, I'm, I might be biased because I'm, I'm here on the front lines, but um, the way <laughs> that Symbiotica is growing right now, the rate that we're growing is a testament that you don't need to marginalize products to be successful that you don't have to go the retail route to be successful. You know, we, we didn't have to do that. We just have to build a, a momentum and educate people. And we're just getting started, bro. Like literally, we're just getting started. You should see the feedback that I'm getting. I mean, people are having 
really, really just powerful moments. And again, it's about I can, I can give you some feedback yeah. right now. I can give you some feedback oh, cool. right now. You know, I yeah, yeah. I, I I think I got introduced to your stuff from uh, my buddy Alex Rubchinsky, who was on the podcast with his wife or soon to be wife uh, Sarah Gustafson, and they're Czech practitioners, and they're like, "Hey, did you hear you hear this guy? He was on a Czech's podcast." And I was like, "No, is it worth checking out?" And he's like, "Oh, you got to listen." And uh, and he showed me like the What's whole his name Alex Alex Rubchinsky. Yeah, he showed me the Rubchinsky. whole product line, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And he, you know, he had me try some of the stuff, and immediately I started with the B twelve. And it's like you said, it's it's not a stimulant. It does give you energy, especially if you're lacking. But I mean, it was just like a palpable feel and yeah. calming at the same time. It was like this, yeah. like my body just felt relaxed with it. And um, that's something that I continue to give. I gave Tosh the majority of her pregnancy. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't turned on prior to the pregnancy, but you know, second trimester, third trimester, D3, K2, um, B Omega, and of course the B12 for her and my son bear. And so I know that's really powered our little girl wolf, you know, and it's helped Tosh to be able to deliver, uh, perfectly natural pregnancy in a full squat next to the bed at home. You know, I know that's, that's a difficult thing for a lot of people to do. I'm not saying everyone can do it, but at the same time, I know that played an impact in, in her own health and her ability to, to make that happen. So, you know, that, that puts me in tears. Um, maybe once a day, I'm not some like crying, uh, you know, emotional Nancy. Um, but I get, I, I tear up maybe once or once a day or once every two days, just with that gnosis, knowing that there's so many families out there that are, are like, you know, incorporating this into their lives. And so many children out there that have been quote unquote put on the spectrum through their allopathic care. And the whole time they just had the MTHF, uh, MTHFR gene mutation the whole time. And they couldn't properly methylate. And all of a sudden they're taking methylating compounds and all of a sudden they're back to normal and their parents are sending me videos of them at their recitals and, and stuff like that. Like I can't, this is why I do what I do. I don't have to do any of this. I can just go, you know, we have a farm in Kauai. I can go live in Kauai and travel the world and go to festivals and, you know, <laughs> do medicine and, and Hey, I don't need to be doing all this. I don't need to be studying 20 hours a day and focused on this crap, but this is what it's all about. This is my Dharma here is to do stuff like this and to hear a brother, like you tell me that, you know, they're my, my child, my, my baby and my, the, my mother, my queen was, you know, developing this soul in, in her body with these nutrients that I know where they came from because I was there and involved with it. I didn't use a five, third party, fourth party, fifth party down the trough of all these other different nutritional supplement companies. It was made with my eyes on it and my awareness with the best scientists in the world. This is the best ever. This is it. What the hell else are we doing? <laughs> I love it. One of, one of my favorite books, uh, I know we got a jam here soon, but one of my favorite books I've ever read is The King, Warrior, Magician, and Lover. And there Ooh. are very very few people that I've met. Uh, you know, he's a Jungian analysis, analysis uh, Robert Moore, and I forget the other author, but um, they talk about these really incredible archetypes that encapsulate what a man is. And of course, that's that's also translatable to women because the queen, the warrior, the magician, and the lover exist within them as well. So it's not Absolutely. just a book for men. But, uh, you know, other than Paul Check and maybe a few others, I haven't seen somebody embody all four archetypes so well as I do when I look at you. And 
really looking at what you've done with Symbiotica, I'm seeing the magician on high right now coming through you. And it's such a, mm. it's such a wonderful thing because that there is magic in real life. You know, it is something we take, you know, from, from out there and bring to the earth. And you're doing that right now. Uh, see a need, fill a need. And we have a deep need mm. for these nutrients. We have a deep need to heal from within on a very physical level, just so we have the ability to navigate the waters uh, on the <sighs> deeper planes of consciousness and really come to a place where we live in harmony with the all, where we step back inside the sacred hoop, as the Native Americans called it, and have a deeper connection to all that is. I love you so much, brother. It's been excellent having you on this podcast. Tell us where people can find you. God bless you, brother. Honestly, like from the deepest, like every cell in my body, and uh, I'm here for you, your family, anyone that's connected to you is my family. That's how we bridge. Um, There's no scarcity mentality. We all eat at the same table, and that's for everyone listening to this. That's the heart that's opening, and you know, there's just this divide and conquer, and this like, in order for me to get mine, I got to take yours. Um, if I should succeed, you must fail. That's the old paradigm. That competition paradigm is crumbling. It's fallen apart. They've indoctrinated us into us with children with pressures of being the most beautiful, the most athletic, the smartest. Fuck all that. That's all gone. And I really, really appreciate you. I appreciate um, you doing what you do because I see you as well and the embodiment that you hold being this fierce monster of a man and at the same time being such a soft-spoken, beautiful archetype. And you're right, feminine and masculine cross both of the genders. It doesn't have to be one or the other. We can, en- we can encompass and, and, and hold those traits. you know. And that's the whole thing. Like You don't have to be one... Um, dimensional, you know, and that's, that's the true alchemy of really experiencing in this life. And so really appreciate you and honor you. Um, you can just find me anywhere. I mean, uh, symbiotica.com is the site that's, you know, C Y M B I O T I K A. Um, I'm not really on any other social media platform except Instagram. Um, you know, all the social media stuff is kind of ridiculous. I gotta be honest, but there is a beauty to it. And it's a, it's a way to convey to an audience and to really um, embody your truth. And I, I live my truth on there every single day whenever I'm using it. Sometimes I'm off of it for a couple of weeks. Sometimes I'm on it three times a day. And I just go with the flow with it. And I really like to share certain things and embody certain things. So I'm on Instagram. It's uh, Shervin, C-H-E-R-V-I-N-333. We can get into numerology next time and start going down yeah. some of those things. Yeah, brother. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, numbers don't lie. And so everybody start opening your eyes, opening your, ar- your, your heart, opening your, open your ears and wake the fake up because you're not alone. Love you forever. Love you, my brother. Thank you so much for being a yeah. part of this. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Aho.